Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. church how are you can you hear me okay hey give it up for the worship team one more time that was so good. So, good so good thanks guys thank you so much truth in those songs my name's colton brink and i'm the high school pastor here been here for seven months and shaley and i moved here from denver colorado and then we were in the Boise area before that, going to school at Northwest Nazarene University. So seven months I'd been hanging out with these guys, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, and I'm excited to be giving you the second sermon in our Tune In series. Tune In is our Season of Lent series. And when Pastor Dave first told me that this series was going to be called Tune In, I thought of two things. The first is that little dial that you have in your cars to change the radio stations. You know what I'm talking about? Mine says tune on it. And so you'll switch the, the channels for the radio station. And especially when you come to a new place. So when Shaley and I came to the Los Angeles area, you had to search for the stations you'd like. So you'd hear some crackling, and then you'd land on a country station or something. Nah, I'm not going to do country. Switch to another station, 70s, 80s rock. Eh, no. And then you land on the Jesus music station. Everyone's listening to Christian music in their car, right? Yeah. But anyways, I, I, the, the little dial, the tune dial for the radio stations, I think is a lot like our lives. Because we have a lot of channels, a lot of voices that we're searching for and that are coming our way, and we're trying to tune in to the right channel, the right voice. The second thing I thought of was eighth grade capture the flag. My twin brother, Dylan, and I went to a small Christian school for middle school. And at the end of every year in middle school, we had a big event called Field Day. And so our eighth grade year, Dylan and I are captains, and there's eight other of our peers that are captains. We select our teams and all these things. We're getting excited, and then Field Day comes. And there's all these mini games throughout the day, and then at the end of the day, there's this big capture the flag game worth the most points. Typically, if you won capture the flag, then you would win the whole event, the whole day. So fast forward, the day's going very well. We get to capture the flag, and my brother and I decide to make a truce. Dill, until we're the final two teams, we won't go for each other. Okay, okay, we tell our teams. And then fast forward to the end of the game. There's three teams left. It's my team, my brother's team, and there's one other team. And so I'm, I'm actually over at this, this other team, waiting for the right opportunity to steal their flag. And all of a sudden, there's this commotion from all the people watching. And I turn around, and my brother is sprinting across the grassy field with my team's flag. And you can imagine eighth grade Colton is furious <laughs> because he has broken the truce, right? So I take off, and I'm running. And he's way, he's way in front of me, so I'm not going to catch him, but I don't stop running. So he kind of coasts into his circle to his home base, hands the flag off to his teammates, and my team's defeated. But I'm still running after him. <laughs> so he's, he's at a standstill now, and I'm still running, picking up steam, and then finally I just, boom, tackle him. Just lay him out. 
And this is kind of one of those stories where it's like, kids don't do this at home, you know. <laughs> Siblings don't tackle each other. And you're probably wondering what this has to do with the sermon or the tune-in series, right? But it's this next part. And so I stand up from tackling my brother. And I'm standing there, and there's all these people on the sidelines, all the parents, the, the kids from the teams that I've gotten out, and other kids. There's probably 100 or so people, and they're all yelling at me. Because what I had done was uncalled for. And they were right, and I'd let the anger get the best of me. But in my eighth grade mind, I remember that moment when all these people, all these voices were coming my way, and it overwhelmed me. It locked me up. And so many times, that's how our lives are. As we're standing, like eighth grade Colton, among all these voices that are coming our way, telling us who we should be, what we should believe in, how we should spend our money, how we should raise our kids, all these different things. So much noise. And in this series, we are trying to tune in to the voice of God among all the voices. Where is God's voice in all the loud noise? So we're going to explore that this morning. We're going to see what Paul has to say about it in the book of Ephesians. Pastor Dave kicked this series off last week, and he talked about how this is a little bit of a unique letter that Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And he talked about you are chosen. That was Pastor Dave's main thing last week. You are chosen. And this morning, as you go from this place, after this quick message, I want you to remember this, is that you are made alive in Christ. We are made alive in Jesus Christ. So Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is what we'll dive into. If you have your Bible, if you have your Version app on your phone, and if you don't, it's okay because we're going to have it up on the screen. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we are in nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Beautiful writing from Paul. I was the chaplain of my baseball team at Northwest Nazarene, where I went to school for four years. And so I, I played second base, and then I was our team chaplain. So we would, when we would travel, we would miss our university chapels on Friday. And so I would give a little chapel on the road. I'd give a 15 to 20 minute message to the guys. And this was a lot of fun to journey with these guys in their spiritual lives because a lot of them didn't come to school because it was a Christian school or many of them didn't have any kind of faith background at all. They were there for baseball. So we got to wrestle with some different questions they had about God and all kinds of different things. It was a lot of fun. But one time I remember that I won't forget this chapel that I was giving. It was either my first or second chapel. And I'm kind of talking about life and identity and Christ. And towards the end, one of my teammates, who we eventually would become very good friends, says to me, Colt, I think life is all about money, power, and sex. 
I was like, okay, tell me a little more about that. He goes, that's just what I hear. That's just what I hear. And reflecting on that, it's crazy that a 20-year-old friend of mine had latched onto that story. That was the voice that he had heard, is that life is about those three things. And let me speak about other young people, young people, um, is that we've been doing a technology series with our, with our teens and talking about does God care about our technology, our technology use and these different things. And it's amazing to hear from our teens on just the voices and the bombardment of things coming their way through social media and technology. All kinds of voices. And just like my 20-year-old friend and our teens is what voices are we listening to? So my first question for you all this morning is what voices are you listening to? I'm convinced that the voices we listen to directly affect the life or death that's going on inside us. There's a connection. So my second question would be, do you feel dead? Some of you are like, man, my back is killing me this morning, you know. Not necessarily physically maybe, but, but emotionally, spiritually. Do you feel lifeless? Maybe in your relationships or maybe in just a couple relationships at work. Wherever you go, because the voices we listen to directly affect the life or death that's going on inside of our lives. And Paul says it right away, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. And Paul knows the life of sin well. He calls himself the chief of sinners in 1 Timothy, the chief of sinners. Because he had all kinds of Christians and people killed. And he knows that a life of sin doesn't lead to life. It doesn't lead to good things. And the word sin in this passage and kind of throughout the New Testament is the word hamartia. It's the Greek word hamartia. It literally means to miss the mark. So if you can imagine a person shooting an arrow and they have a target out front and they release the arrow and they never hit the target. They always miss the target. That's the way Paul is describing sin is that we have a target that God has given us and we continually miss the mark. We miss the target. In big ways, and small ways, we miss the mark. So Paul is hammering home that we are sinners. And we listen to the wrong voices. So many times in our lives we listen to the wrong voices. But here's the good news. We gotta keep going, right? We gotta keep going with, Paul, with Paul's writing. And so he says this in verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So yes, we miss the mark. Yes, we listen to the wrong voices. And we're trying to tune into the right voices this morning. What does God have to say to us this morning? And here's my three points for what we tune into this morning. Here's the first one. Sin doesn't get the last word in our lives. Grace does. Sin doesn't get the last word in our lives. Grace does. You as a follower of Jesus are not marked or defined by sin. Do we miss the mark? Absolutely. But that doesn't define your life. Grace does because of what Christ has done. And our works aren't enough. Paul's very clear. 
We miss the mark. Your works can never be enough. We can't ever buy or attain the salvation that Christ gives us. And I think there's a little bit of a misconception in our church, and we've talked about this for many years, but I still think we believe this to some degree, is that you have to clean up your life to have God release his grace. We have to work for it to some degree, but that's not at all how it is. And Paul is very clear. Verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Shaylee and I haven't been married long, almost nine months. But occasionally people ask us, when are you guys thinking about having kids? And we, we've talked about it a little bit, and so we'll usually answer, you know, we're going we're gonna to wait a little bit, maybe till we get a little more space, maybe just till we're a little more ready. And as soon as I say ready, they jump in. You're never ready. <laughs> you are never ready. And it's, sometimes it's like this parent like holding like three kids, you know. A couple of strollers, you know. You're never ready. And parents in the room can say amen, right? To, to some degree, you're never ready, ready for a child, from what I've heard. <laughs> but this is how grace is. We're never ready for God's grace. We're never quite ready. But the beautiful thing about it is it's grace. It's free. It's a gift of God. We're repentant, and we just receive. That's it. Not by works, but by the grace of God. Sin doesn't get the last word in our lives. Grace does. So what does that look like for you this morning? I don't know where you're at. In your relationships, at home, at the dinner table, at school, at work. Don't let sin get the last word, but let grace. Let grace. Second is this. Darkness doesn't get the last word in our lives. Light does. Death and sin are always tied into darkness, aren't they? And in contrast, light, life, and grace fit well together. For Paul, the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. It's Christ's defeat of sin, darkness, and death. And we're in the season of Lent right now. This is our tune-in series that'll, that'll lead us to Easter, right? And Easter... Before Easter, we have Good Friday. And it's this remembrance of Christ being crucified. One time I was talking to some teens about our Good Friday service coming up. This was a couple years ago. Talking about Good Friday, and one of the teens raises their hand, and they say, is that kind of like the spring version of Black Friday where they have all those deals? <laughs> I was like, no, that's not it. That's not it. And you're coming with me to the service. But Good Friday, remembering Christ's crucifixion, if you've ever been to a well-done Good Friday service, you leave the sanctuary or wherever it's being held in darkness. In darkness, because that's what scripture tells us, is that when Christ was crucified, darkness fell over the land. And so it's this powerful symbolism when we leave the sanctuary. But I also think physical darkness, but also the people watching Christ being crucified felt darkness. Darkness in their souls. Hopeless. Why? Because this person that they traveled with, they'd seen him perform all these amazing miracles, heal people, give the blind sight, feed thousands with just a little bit of food, 
show compassion. He had been killed, just like all the other people that the Romans had killed. And so they felt hopeless, darkness. But what we know now and what they didn't know then is that Sunday is coming, right? Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, new life. And so we leave Good Friday service in darkness, but on Easter Sunday, you show up and there's flowers and everything's bright. Everyone's dressed to the nine, wearing their new shirts and dresses, and it's beautiful, right? Because Christ conquers the darkness. John 1.5 says, the light shines in the darkness and darkness cannot overcome it. Do you feel surrounded by darkness this morning? There's a lot of darkness in our world, guys, right? There is. Do you feel surrounded by darkness? Maybe in a big way, maybe in a small way. But the beauty that we see in Paul's writing is that darkness never gets the last word in your life. And my prayer is that that isn't just some background noise that sounds good, it looks good on a screen, but it's that we tune into that. And then it pours over into every part of our lives. Darkness doesn't get the last word. Light does. But not only darkness, but neither does death. So my third point, death doesn't get the last word. Life does. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we are dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. I love these verses. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus conquers death in his death and resurrection. It's God's eternal yes on the life of Jesus. The miracles, the teaching, everything he said he was, he was. Yes, yes, yes. God's eternal yes on his life. The early church had this practice that when they would enter the waters into baptism, they would take off all their clothes. And let me be very clear. Montrose Church does not do baptism like that. You cannot. We don't do that. You have to wear clothes. But the symbolism is powerful because they would take off all their clothes because they would leave everything behind. And they would enter the waters into baptism and be raised up. And, and immediately as they got out of the waters, the church would put a white robe on them to signify new life. And we have baptisms coming up in a couple weeks, and we would love to celebrate that with you. If you haven't been baptized, let's get that done. Does death have a hold of your life this morning? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, in all sorts of capacities, does death have a hold of your life? There's a lot of death in our world. But the beauty that we see in this scripture because of what Christ has done is it doesn't get the last word in our lives. Life does. And there's this hope now for new creation. There's a hope now to live as people of Christ now, 
But because of this death and resurrection, we have a hope for the future as well. We have a hope now, but we have a hope for eternal life as well. What voices are we listening to this morning? What voices? What are we tuning into? The final part of this text in verse 10 wraps it up beautifully. We can't skip it. Paul says this. He says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The Greek word that we translate handiwork here is the word poemai. Poemai. It means poem or masterpiece. So Paul is saying, you are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. And friends, don't let this, this, that just be a church cliche, right? But hear that. You are God's masterpiece with your flaws, with your shortcomings. You're God's masterpiece. That's not just for the people sitting next to you in the chairs. It's for you this morning. You're God's masterpiece. And we didn't attain this salvation from Christ, this amazing grace, because of our works. No, but we were created for good works. So because of what Christ has done, we respond with our lives, with our actions, with our works. We can't ever attain this salvation, this grace, because of works. We just receive it but then we live it. We let it pour out of every part of our being. And so friends, if we, if we hear these truths, if we tune in, we hear these truths, sin doesn't get the last word. Darkness doesn't get the last word. Death doesn't get the last word. If we hear those truths, but we leave in the same way, we've missed it. We've missed it. We have to be ambassadors of grace and light and life wherever we go. That's the call for us this morning. Don't just tune in to these voices to hold them within us, but let us go from this place showing the incredible grace of God and the light and the life that Jesus gives us. Amen? Amen. You know how Pastor Dave always ends his closing, or excuse me, he always begins his closing prayer with, God, would you help us? You ever notice that? God, would you help us? You say that. So when I, first, when I first came here, I was like, oh, he says that every time. And after a while, I'm like, man, I really like that. Because the representation is that we can't do this by our own strength. We need God's help. Everything we've talked about this morning, living a life of grace, and light and life. We can't do it in our own strength. But we're here because we know that the Spirit is here, working in, around, and through us. And so we don't have to go at it alone. God is with us. But we also have each other. We also have each other in this room. We don't have to go at it alone. Friends, your life is not defined, marked by sin, by grace. It's by grace. Darkness doesn't get the last word in your life. Light does. 
death could not hold Jesus. And so we live into the fact that death doesn't get the last word in our lives, but life does. So wherever you go from this place, in this season of Lent, let these truths pour over into your practices. Let these truths pour over into your practices. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this morning. And God, would you help us? Would you help us be who you've created us to be, God? People of grace and of light and of life. And God, I pray that we would hear those truths. And what Paul is telling us is that we are made alive in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. You've made us alive, Jesus. We're so thankful for that. And help us live like it. Help us be a changed people. Help us show grace wherever we go in our relationships, in our conversations, on the highway, in the Trader Joe's parking lot, wherever we go, wherever we go. God, we're thankful for this church and what you're doing here. Thank you for your presence here this morning. We love you, Jesus, and in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.